This is Jason Holleran. I proudly served for 33 years, culminating as the Deputy Commandant at West Point. Put this on your calendar. World War II weekend inside Old Bethpage Village Restoration on Long Island. Scores of operational vintage armor in formation May 18th and 19th. Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman invites you to join him in saluting America's greatest generation and all those who have worn the uniform in defense of our freedoms. That's May 18th and 19th, presented by the Museum of American Armor. From Wall Street to the White House, this is the Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. We're going to do some money in politics with Liz Peake, Fox News contributor and syndicated columnist, and Steve Moore from Freedom Works and Committee to Unleash Prosperity in his book, Govzilla. Um, I just saw this 12.02 p.m. Saturday. This is off of Newsmax. Lawyers for President Joe Biden found more classified documents at his home in Wilmington, Delaware, than previously known. The White House acknowledged Saturday. White House lawyer Richard Sauber said in a statement a total of six pages of classified documents were found during a search of Biden's private library. The White House had said previously only a single page. And we're just getting warmed up here is what I think. When this thing's all over, we're going to find a lot of pages, a lot more pages. This is such a phony story. Um, what interests me, Liz Peake, uh, this is, I think, politically excruciatingly bad for Joe Biden and his Democratic pals. And I think politically it's excruciatingly good for Kevin McCarthy and his Republican pals in the House. Uh, the seesaw is now swinging in a much different direction. And I wanted you guys to talk about that because it's going to have fiscal and economic implications as well as political implications. But it's going to be a steady drip, drip. We have a bull market and special counsels. But um, we got a we got a drip, drip, drip of documents here, Liz Peake. What do you make of it? Yeah, I, I think really there are a lot of things that can be said about this, but the most important one to me is that it really begins to kind of crush Joe Biden's reputation as being the honest, trustworthy politician uh, that we can all believe in. I mean, you go back to I just came across a piece written in 2015. Uh, in the Washington Post entitled The Amazing Honesty of Joe Biden. Uh, and there's a line in there by Chris Salosa saying Joe Biden's unique trait as a politician is and always has been his honesty. I mean, ridiculous, because he's not a very honest man. We know that. No one pulls out of a presidential campaign for plagiarizing and lying about your background because you're an honest guy. So I, I think what's interesting, Larry, you go back to the Hillary uh, email issue when, you know, James Comey basically uh, said he wasn't going to press charges with, against Hillary, but her trusting, her trustworthiness or whatever you want to call it, honesty rating at that time was 38%. And even liberal media was coming out and saying, oh my gosh, these are terrible numbers. She never recovered from that. And I think we may be sort of seeing the beginning of such a, a demolition of Joe Biden's facade starting right now. You know, Steve Moore, uh, to translate this into fiscal economic <laughs> stuff, I mean, I think this is a big boost uh, to McCarthy and the House Republicans and the budget cutting and 
you know, maybe better energy policy. You know, quite apart from the investigations that you know Jim Jordan and uh, Comer are going to mm-hmm. do. I'm just looking at uh, our side of the of the ledger, the economic and fiscal side. This gives them a leg up. This, I mean, Biden's going to be enormously weakened by this, and Schumer and the Democrats. I mean, you know, their talking points, as Liz is suggesting, their talking points are being ripped away from them almost on a daily basis. <laughs> well, I think you're you're right about that. I think McCarthy, you know, as we look at that rebellion that happened last weekend, I think, that if anything, all of these new rules have kind of um, emboldened McCarthy. He's off to, I think, a good start. He's talking about, you know, having a vote on um, eliminating the income tax, and they've dedicated themselves to you know, this six, seven, eight-year-old um, balanced budget plan, which I think is, you know, fantastic. So, um, and look, if Biden is weakened by this scandal, then that only strengthens McCarthy's hand when it comes to, because at some point there's going to be a come-to-Jesus moment. They're going to sit across the table, uh, McCarthy and, and Biden, and work this out. And if if, uh, if Biden is politically injured, I think it gives McCarthy more uh, chips at the table. I mean, think of this, just this jump shift right into this. Janet Yellen, you know, puts out this letter about the debt ceiling. All right. Uh, is going to be over uh, the debt ceiling in, uh, Thursday. Put it on your calendars. We run out of debt. No, Thursday, we don't. Right. I mean, it has no, almost no meaning at all because it's going to go on for six, for months and months and months. They find ways and means to take surplus retirement accounts, and they won't have to sell bonds and so forth and so on. But let me just ask you this. Let me let's talk about this. So what? So let's say they want a debt ceiling deal. The the Republicans. So so maybe for every dollar increase in the debt ceiling, you have three dollars of budget cuts, spending cuts. Steve Moore, start with you. Liz will go to you. That's a good deal. And if, if Wait, uh, say that again, three dollars of spending cuts for one dollar of. Um of debt yeah. increase. Oh, right. Okay. Just yeah, for like argument's that. sake. Like just that. yeah, yeah, just for argument's sake. Okay. I think Kevin Hassett was the one who yes. put that. Kevin up, yeah. Kevin talked about it on the TV show last night. Right. right. Uh, Kevin, uh, like me, we used to be very respectable establishment type people. <laughs> uh, I, I'll let Liz speak for herself. We used to always worry about the debt and our credit. Now I don't anymore because I think it's all all baloney. And anyway, I think you pointed this out. There's always revenues to pay the interest on of the course, 10-year I mean. bond, for heaven's sakes. But the point is, so we shut the government down. So we exceed. We don't we, we don't raise the debt ceiling. I don't care. And I don't see how Biden, you know, he can yelp as much as he wants, but his whole position now is gone. His politics is gone. He has no political power. His, uh, his, you know, his, he had a quasi-victory in the midterms. That's gone. This replaces everything. So the Republicans should be on the march, Steve Moore. They should be as aggressive as possible when it comes to this budget stuff. And uh, and who cares about the debt ceiling? Well, first of all, the the uh, Democrats are are trying to make the argument that they're go Republicans again. They're going to cause a default. And by the way, that's all your friends on Wall Street who yeah. keep saying that, yeah. Larry, and then your old friends, I should say. Yeah. <laughs> no, I but, used uh, to be in that camp, but I don't care anymore. I don't care. Well, I used to be a respectable, yeah. responsible person. I no longer am. <laughs> um, so uh, here's what I like about this. I think Republicans should make it loud and clear, and McCarthy's been pretty clear about this in his, in his uh, speeches, <laughs> that there's not going to be a debt ceiling raised until these various conditions are met. 
and and, a, and they're all reasonable ones. A path to a balanced budget, a three-fifths vote to um, mm-hmm. raise taxes. Maybe, you know, as you said, some formula, like $3 of uh, spending cuts for every dollar of, of uh, increase in the, in the debt. Um, and announce that right now and basically say, you know, we're not backing down from this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is this is at the very essence of why Republicans are in Congress. So let's have that moment. And then if, if, if Biden doesn't uh, agree to a deal, then why is Republicans are responsible for it? Right. 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 Let's let's pick. I I totally agree with this. And and by the way, I I think it's going to, you know, you are going to see endless stories about families that travel to the National Mall. They're not allowed to get into a museum. And, oh, my gosh, this means that veterans aren't going to get their paychecks and all this kind of stuff. It'll be brinksmanship and as horror story after horror story in the press about how terrible this is. But here, here's an interesting phenomenon. Rich Lowry today, I, uh, in the post of the journal, had a piece about, well, you know, maybe Chip Roy actually had a point yeah. in terms of what he was pushing for. All these sort of establishment Republicans were so negative on this whole mm-hmm. battle about Kevin McCarthy. I was out there early on saying, well, wait a minute, these are reasonable demands. Right. I think as people begin to look <laughs> at this confrontation, because guess what? The American people are worried about our debt situation. Our politicians may not be, but I think voters really are. Mm-hmm. They're smarter than the people in Congress who basically just pass on. And by the way, that's why the Republican brand is so tarnished, because they have been per- party to this $31 trillion in debt accumulated uh, you know, in a pretty short period of time, really. So I, I, I think this is a moment, to, uh, to your point, Larry, I think it's a moment Republicans stand firm. They make reasonable requests. We're not saying tomorrow we have to have a balanced budget. We're saying over 10 years, it is a reasonable idea to get to a balanced budget. I don't see anything wrong with that. I think I would take over 12 years. Whatever. I would, I mean, take, I would a plan. Take, we have to have a plan. That's right? right. I would take 15 years. I mean, the way we're going, the way we're going, if you look at these long-term CBO forecasts, uh, you know, they're all based on very low growth. But low growth is what we have unless we have a lot right. of changes in spending and taxing and regulating policies. Uh, I mean, yeah, I think it's exactly right. But the interesting thing is how quickly this has changed. Biden had a what I would yeah. call midterm afterglow. You know, like, oh, look how well we did. Now, they lost the House, but it was closer, and they kept the Senate. That's gone, Liz. Yeah, it's gone. I agree. It just it went up in smoke. No, it went up in a skiff. That's what yeah. this did. It went up in his basement, in his garage, where he had junior White House lawyers taking the place of cleaning ladies. Yeah. And they, and, and they <laughs> and, found and classified the documents. You see that picture with the Corvette <laughs> yeah. and behind this, all this paper stuffed away in a corner of his garage? You, yeah. you know what that is? That's, a, safe, a safe house? <laughs> that's, you, that's Ukrainian policy. Yeah. That's Chinese. That's the Chinese Communist Party policy in a classified document. Hey, excuse me. There was a lock on that garage door. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, really? 
<laughs> I think this this story has opened the door to a reasonable interest, uh, public interest in why the Chinese gave so much, tens of millions of dollars to the think tank that Joe Biden was involved in. Why, who has been visiting uh, the Wilmington White House, where the president has spent almost a third of his time since becoming president. I mean, I really do think this opens the door to a lot of inquiries, which seem very reasonable to me. And I think the press, you know, cannot really ignore this. All right, let's take a quick break. We've got Liz Peek and Steve Moore. By the way, I want to give it a promo. Steve Moore's Moore's Money on many of these very same stations will uh, start right after this show ends. I'm Kudlow. We'll be right back with Money in Politics. Now, back to the Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. We're talking to Liz Peek, Fox News contributor, syndicated columnist, and Steve Moore, Freedom Works, Committee to Unleash, Unleash Prosperity, and Steve's show, More Money, will follow this show, at least here in the New York uh, WABC area. Um, Steve Moore, I know you're a gourmet cook. And I just, I just wondered whether you cooked on a gas burning stove or not. Well, this has really turned into quite a story, hasn't it? And uh, it's just, it, it's so emblematic of a left that wants to just take away all of your home appliances, everything from the, you know, the, the remember? Do you guys remember the, the when they had the the uh, water requirements for the toilets and yeah. so you oh, yeah. know, save all this water and you had to like flush the toilet like three yes. times before flush somehow that was you know and they're doing this by the way that uh, with uh, everything from light bulbs to you know to your washer and dryer to your dishwasher uh, and my wife is always complaining that because of these water rolls you can't get your your stuff that clean so now they come along and they say they're going to take away the gas stove now this is a really interesting story because it was a trial balloon that came out by the Consumer Product Safety Commission, I think, on a Tuesday. And there was such a hullabaloo, uh, by the way, uh, uh, among women, because <laughs> in the in the Moore household, Anne is the one who does the cooking. And, you know, there's a the gas stove. Food tastes better on a gas stove. Yeah. And so anyway, people are so angry about this. And now you've got the Biden people sprinting away from this but there are such rules in like 18 major cities now they're trying to get rid of gas stoves all across this country yeah and we got governor hochel naturally right wants the yeah. new york city already has a ban i don't know if anybody observes it she wants it for the entire state this is a nanny state special this is what socialists do yep. big government yep. now liz yep. peak i i always thought of Kind of thought of you as a DoorDash kind of gal, but maybe maybe you are a gourmet cook on the on the gas stove. You got to let let our listeners in on this. I, I refuse to answer on the grounds that it could <laughs> incriminate me. Um, I am really good at reheating, though, and yes. reheating is a lot better on a gas stove than an electric range. Uh, look, I, I think, you know, uh, Steve said it right. This is an intrusion. And uh, I wrote a piece about how in the um, lead up to Brexit, one of the things that tipped polling right. over was uh, the fact that the EU bureaucrats in Brussels decided right. to ban electric tea kettles. Well, you know what? Oh. It was the final indignity. Already 80% of regulations were coming from Brussels that govern English right. lives. They just said enough. We're not going to do this anymore. Mm. And I think our government needs to pay heed to that because, 
you know, it's okay. I can't use the 100 watt light bulbs I like anymore. And to Steve's point, you have these ridiculous appliances that just don't work. But just get out of my face, get out of my bedroom, get out of my kitchen, leave me alone. I like gas stoves. And by the way, the studies linking, well, look, this is Richard Trumka, who has made his name by uh, combating cigarette smoke, secondhand Mm -hmm. smoke, things like that. Mm -hmm. You know, there's really a question about how deep he is into the trial uh, trial lawyers' Uh, kind of making money off of this stuff. I have no idea. That's something someone proposed to me. I think I think his motives are questionable, and the research tying these gas stoves to childhood asthma is preposterous. You have to look at it yeah. kind of with a jaundiced eye because it's not good. They cited one study. They cited the anti-gas stove people cited was from Stanford University. Uh, they had fifty-three case studies in homes. All 53 homes were in California. (laughs) Which is dangerous to begin with. (laughs) (laughs) The fruits and nuts, that's what what they were using to justify this. But there is an issue here, um, Steve Moore, because the attack on gas stoves is a thinly veiled attack on natural gas. Right. You know, right. Period. Full stop. Right. And so I'm yeah. waiting for the Republican House. Now they've got to come in, HR one, HR two, whatever it is. They've got to put the heat on uh opening up the oil and gas fossil fuel spigots. They haven't done it yet, Steve. I I, I they got a lot to do. I know that Kathy McMorris Rogers is going to run the energy committee, but they've got to have a bill permitting and allowing pipelines and refineries and, you know, LNG terminals and all that, fracking, Steve. This is very yeah, important. They've, they've <laughs> got to hit it hard. Yeah, so first of all, you're exactly right. This this uh, this war against the gas stove is really because the left doesn't want people to use gas at all. So in many cities now, they're, the new homes, I think this is true of New York, that they're not even allowing these new, you know, apartment complexes even to be hooked up to natural gas. So how stupid is that? Mm-hmm. I mean, natural gas is a clean burning fuel. It's the reason the United States has reduced our pollution levels more than all the other you know, countries, because we've we've really converted towards natural gas. So I think there's a big backlash against this. And, I, and of course, I agree with you. You know, drill, baby, drill has got yeah. to be one of our economic growth. Incidentally, the, you know, those the, you were talking about the deficit. You know, if we continue with one point, they're projecting like 1.3, 1.4% yeah. growth for the next 10 years. we got to aspire to hire them. Larry, yes. That yes. We should grow at three to four. Oh, no, that's right. That's but, here, but here's the problem, Steve. If you keep yeah. giving the government bigger and bigger <laughs> share of right. GDP, right. We're of not going to grow faster than that right. because that is basically right. unproductive spending. That's something that, you know, no, really people don't, it's sort of a, I guess, in the weeds kind of argument, but it's true. And the productivity of our nation is going to suffer as is our growth. That's what the emphasis on all these balanced budget plans should be growth and prosperity. Yep. Growth, yep. growth yep. and right. prosperity. Less spending is pro-growth. Uh, less spending means lower taxes. Less spending means fewer regulations. In other words, they've got to, you know, spin this, message this properly so people understand where they're going. I mean, I do think there's a concern in the country about debt. I get that, this number $31 trillion, uh, which is actually $24 trillion of publicly marketable debt. But I think um, 
prosperity, real wages, jobs. That's a better way to sell it, Steve Moore. You know, I think the GOP has got to do that. I agree. I agree. People want growth. Yeah. Growth. We got got it under Trump, right? We got up to 3% growth under Trump. We probably would have had 4% if it hadn't been for COVID. So you got to have the growth and you got to have the budget cuts. By the way, who, um, speaking of Trump, um, He's the big winner of this uh, classified yeah. document. Yeah, for he? sure. Yeah, <laughs> he finally wins one. He's had a rough yeah. year, a uh, rough, you know, actually you could say a rough two years. This one's kind of vindication. I agree. Is he back, yeah. at, is he back in play, Steve? Yeah. Well, look, he could be. I always, you know, a lot of people turn, you know, become never Trumpers. But, you know, one of the things I've learned and you've learned from being around him is that you, this guy always defies the odds. Remember, they said he couldn't possibly win in 2016. So we'll we'll see. But there is some talk, Larry. Maybe you have the inside scoop that maybe he won't run for president. I don't have any scoops, inside or otherwise. Right. I have no scoops. <laughs> but, but I will say this, um, being fair about this whole story. That I lo- Look, I love Trump. There's no secret. But, 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 but. For some reason, I had in my, you know, we moved apartments and we're going through all kinds of papers and documents. And I was reading last night uh, Governor DeSantis's uh, second inauguration speech. Uh-huh. It was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Mm-hmm. Uh, touched on all areas, including foreign policy. Uh, t- you know, talked about freedom, spending, taxing, regulating. Quoting scriptures. I mean, it was, I just want to say we're going to have to close down. Anyway, everybody, Steve Moore's Moore's Money is on right after this. Liz Peak, thank you ever so much. All right, we'll talk. I'm Larry Kudlow, folks. Thanks for listening. We'll be back here next weekend. From Wall Street to the White House, this is The Larry Kudlow Show. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.